Our story today is about an encounter Jesus has with a Samaritan woman at the well. This happens to be the longest recorded conversation Jesus has with anyone in the Gospels. Think about that for a moment. Longer than the disciples. This is the longest recorded conversation we have with anyone that Jesus talks to. And it happens to be a woman and a Samaritan woman and a woman with a painful past. And I know this is a long passage to read today, but I really wanted you to hear the full story of what happened with that woman at the well. So I hope you'll read along with me today. It's going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. And there's an important detail about this story that is mentioned in the very first two verses. And I want you to try to listen carefully to see if you will notice this detail today about this particular woman. It's John chapter 4, beginning of verse 5. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her give me a drink his disciples had gone to the city to buy food the Samaritan woman said to him how is it that you a Jew ask a drink of me a woman of Samaria Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. 
And just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Okay, did you catch the detail I wanted you to hear at the very beginning? What time does she go to the well? Noon. Good job. A plus, everybody. You know what it feels like at noon in the Holy Land? Hot. Really hot. Most women would go and fetch water in the cool of the morning. Maybe in the evening if you had to. It was a job then as it is still today. A job mostly relegated to women and young girls who sometimes walk great long distances to get water from wells. I hope you know that one of the wonderful things about your ministry dollars when you give here to the church is one of the ministries you support is a longtime global ministries partner called CEPOD in Nicaragua who works in rural communities and they have uh, particularly one of the things they have done and our church has funded is help to fund clean water projects for people in rural communities to have access to clean, safe drinking water. It's huge. I remember when I went to Haiti after the big earthquake, the church we were working to help rebuild had a well on their grounds. And I've always thought, first of all, if I was the minister there, I would use that every week. Every time somebody came to get water out of the well, I would be like, come back Sunday for the living waters here at, at, at First Haitian Church. Um, but, um, but in truth, I'm, I'm always humbled. I have been so humbled by what I see of the global church who so often do so much more with so much less. This church in Haiti, they did not have walls, they did not have a roof, but they were first trying to help meet the needs of their community. They had a well water for people to have access to, they had, um, there's no public schools, so they were running a school. They didn't have walls, they didn't have roof, but a school was in session. I am so humbled by the work that I see so many churches do around the world. But why does she go at noon? Why the hottest part of the day? All the first century listeners to this story would have realized this is our hint that something's a little off about this lady. You don't go at the hottest part of the day unless you're trying to avoid people. Maybe you don't want to see anybody. Maybe she was just the low man on the totem pole in her household and she had to go get the water because that's what she was told she had to do. But you don't go in the heat of the day unless you're trying to maybe avoid conversation. Avoid stares. Avoid the looks. And when Jesus begins to talk to her, she is shocked. This Jewish holy man strikes up a conversation with the likes of her. First, a woman. A holy man just wouldn't do that. Then, a Samaritan. The two never associated with each other. 
Three, a woman with a painful past. Unheard of. And they actually have this real heart-to-heart theological conversation about their two traditions and what they share in common and ways their traditions have deferred. And she's curious about Jesus, about what he thinks about where they should be worshiping. And Jesus tells her in the midst of this theological conversation that if she knew about the living waters, she would never be thirsty again. She's interested. She'd love to have some of that water. And Jesus tells her to go get her husband. Ouch. Ouch. He names her truth. Actually, I think he names her shame. Shame. You know, that voice within us that says, instead of, I've made a mistake, Shane says, I am a mistake. She's a woman with a painful past. She goes in the heat of the day, probably to avoid people. Five husbands, the one she's with now is not her husband. Now this Samaritan woman has been quite the sermon topic over the centuries. She's been used as a, a topic, sermon topic on sin, a promiscuity. She's been called icons of names, Jezebel, worse. <coughs> Has she been a woman on the lookout for a husband upgrade over her life? It's doubtful. She had no ability, no rights to choose to divorce. Only a man could do that. Was it a string of really bad luck? Maybe. She would have had little autonomy over her life. She couldn't work. Dolly had not declared to work nine to five. What a way to make a living. They couldn't do it. She had no education. You would be totally dependent upon a male relative in your life. And marriages were arranged. Now when Jesus meets the woman who's caught in adultery, who's about to be stoned to death, he actually tells her, go and sin no more. He, he tells no such thing to this woman here today. But no matter what has brought her to this place, it's pretty clear. This is a woman who's had to endure. She tells Jesus, I have no husband. She speaks her pain. And Jesus sees her. The lady who went to the well at noon so nobody would see her is seen by Jesus deeply seen, her pain, her woundedness, her shame. And the experience of that moment frees her. This woman is seen and known and loved as a child of God, the living waters of Jesus Christ for her. This experience at the well changes her life. She's not an embarrassment. She's not someone as less than or outcast seen child of God, the living waters for you. You know, a few months ago, I went to this conference down, where was I? I can't even remember where I was. I went to this, oh, Dallas. I was in Dallas. And I was at this conference, and the conference was in a hotel with lots of other people there for all kinds of reasons. And you know, at conferences, you often get a name tag, and I had one, you know, Reverend Kara Foster, First Christian Church, Madisonville. And I was leaving a, a event in one of the rooms and was headed up to my hotel room and I was getting in the elevator 
And uh, a guy in a business suit came in, and I saw him read my name tag, and he said, you're a minister. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, quick, give me your best sermon before I get up to my floor. And I said, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he said, oh, that is not an original. It doesn't count. And he got off the floor, and I yelled out to him, we've been telling that sermon for a lot of years now. And he chuckled, and I know he didn't think anything of it. But the truth is, the real truth of that is that so many people, so many people live out their days thinking they aren't worth much to anybody. Thinking they are the mistake. I think of Sarah, somebody I knew growing up. She was, um, as a child, she lived through a couple of terrible tragedies. She lost her dad to an illness and lost her older brother as, uh, when she was in her teens. And she was a very depressed teenager who was hurting herself and trying to hide it. And one day, the pain got so big and so bad that she didn't want to live anymore. And thankfully, she got help. And she went to a hospital uh, that really helped her in a big way. And she was so ashamed and so embarrassed by going to this hospital. She was a straight-A student, a leader in her youth group, so ashamed. And the amazing thing about this story, and I know I've told you about her before, is that today she's actually the chaplain at that very same hospital that she was once a patient in, a teenage psychiatric facility. And she will tell you, if you talk to her, that going to that hospital helped to save her life. But she will also tell you uh, about a youth minister who showed up and brought her every time a chocolate fudge cake from Frisch's Big Boy that was her favorite and told her that she was gonna be okay. Told her that there's no pain, no hurt so big that Jesus didn't already know. And now she walks those halls and she tells those kids that same message day in and day out. The woman at the well encountered a savior who changed her story. She met Jesus who loves her and loves you even when you don't love yourself. And after she meets Jesus at the well, she drops her old water jars and goes. Those old, heavy water jars weighing her down. She just drops them and goes. In fact, I did not even read this, but you can keep on reading in verse 39. Verse 39 of John chapter 4, it says that many came to believe in Jesus because of her. She dropped her old water jars and went. The woman who didn't want to be seen was seen by Jesus. And then she goes to run and tell the story. 
And the truth is, the truth is for all of us here today and for those online this morning that whether we meet him at a well or a hospital or somewhere else, we are seen. Scars, wounds, hurts, and all. So what are we still clinging to? It's time for us to drop our water jars and go. Amen.